praise God. And if you feel him and hear him saying things to you, and he's talking to you in a way that maybe he's never talked to you before, that's okay. Because he knows the season, and he knows the time, and he knows when we need to be spoken to softly, and he knows when we need a little bit of fatherly, hey, You kick up to bring into your atmosphere. 
Romans chapter 8, starting at verse number 28. I'm re reading from the King James Version. And it says this, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. And I want to, with the help of the Lord, speak on this message today. Don't let your dis destination distract your destiny. Amen. Don't let your destination distract your destiny. And uh, would you just one more time call on the Lord to open up our ears and our hearts and open up the things of God for us today. Jesus, I come before you one more time before we open the word of the Lord and, and minister what you have laid on my heart. And I'm asking you today, Lord, create in us an emptiness to receive from you and fill me up and pour me out into that emptiness, Lord God. Not what I would, but what you would. I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to help us to see clearly where we're at and what you're asking of us. And I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to have your way in the next couple of minutes so that it will turn around and transform somebody's life. In the name that is above every name, for at your name every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are the Lord, the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Now, I and my wife don't see things all the time on the same level. Surprise, surprise, surprise. I am always right, and, and, and she is once in a while. But there's something that I enjoy doing that she does not enjoy doing very often. And in our family, it's called the scenic route. I've got about 15 different ways to get from here to my house. And she never wants to take any of the 14. She wants to take the one that is the quickest. And I see some of you are agreeing. Uh, this spot for this message, believe it or not, came Wednesday morning when the thunderstorms were starting to hit because I had gone to a chiropractor's appointment and after that, I just decided to take a drive with no particular place to go. And uh, I drove all over St. Francis and up to Oak Grove and, and I didn't use GPS. I just figured I knew northeast, southwest would get me as close as I could to where I needed to go and I eventually made it back uh, home. And But I enjoyed just going and taking a drive in the middle of nowhere. And uh, that's, that's where I get relaxed. And, and I began to talk to the Lord and the Lord began to impress this upon me because there is a difference when it comes to me, however, when I am figuring out on like a vacation or where I need to go, I plug in the GPS and I'm going to take the quickest route. Because I, especially if I'm going south, because I don't enjoy driving through Iowa. 
So, uh, and, and it's just flat. There's nothing to look at but cornfields, maybe a few silos and windmills around them, but there's no hills. Really, there's no, it's just get me through Iowa. And so, uh, and so, in all of that area, I'm, I'm looking. I'm saying, okay, this is going to take 1.3 hours. This can make two point. Which one am I going to take? I'm going to take the shortest one because I'm more worried about getting to my destination than I am the path that I'm going to take. And when I get to that destination, then I breathe easy because I have made it to where I have decided that we are going to go. And, and so, and we do that. In other things as well, we do that when we're, uh, you know, if we're wanting to check the traffic, uh, we want to get from here to South Minneapolis and we're going to decide which way to go. A lot of us will pop it up just to see where the road construction is, where the congestion is. If you have ever drive in rush hour, I don't drive 35W home from rush hour anymore because it's too packed and I want to get home. So I drive up and there again, I'll take all kinds of roads. I'll take Central, I'll take University, I'll take Silver Lake. I'll do whatever I have to do to keep moving and not get stuck in rush hour traffic. Because my destination is important. I want to get home. And, and, and here's what I felt like the Lord was saying to me uh, on Wednesday when I began to drive. is simply this. We get so consumed by our destination that we are distracted from our destiny. You see, your destiny is not your destination. Your destiny is the path that God has chosen for you to take. And he sometimes takes us in roundabout ways in order, in fact, when when, when the disciples would, would never understood, they, they, were, they were as clueless as we are sometimes, when Jesus would start to do something, when he would start to heal on the Sabbath, when he would start to do something that wasn't normal to their tradition, and, and I heard this this week, uh, enough tradition always gets in the way of truth. Amen. And, and, and so we get into this thing that just get me to my destination. I just want to get there. And we miss what God had intended to give us. We miss it. Uh, I, I, how many enjoy flying? How many like direct flights? How many like to switch planes with 10 minutes to go? <laughs> we just flew to and from Delaware, and it was a direct flight until COVID hit. And then they decided not to do direct flights anymore, so we had to go to Midway, Chicago Midway. Now, the last time I was at Chicago Midway, I got stuck there for 12 hours. And on my short trip from Kansas City to Minnesota. And, and sat in Midway for like 10 or 11 hours before we could get a plane. And it wasn't a very nice airport. It was dirty and dungy. And, and so when I thought, oh, we got to go there. Well, thankfully, they've done some work on it. But nobody wants to have a layover in an airport. You see, but what would have happened had God had a purpose for us to land in Chicago? I would have missed out on the destiny because I was worried about getting to my destination. You see, here, here's what we often do. How many have ever heard the statement or, or 
a preacher say, if God calls you to something, you ever heard that? Hey, our gifts and callings are without repentance, according to the word of God. How many feel that you've been called? Okay. Well, some of you just don't realize it, but we've all been called. There, there's a statement in the book of Romans that says we're all called to be saints. There is a calling upon each and every one of us. It's just the fact, everybody, the problem that we have is we want to get to what we think the calling is and we miss out because we're distracted by where we need to get to. Can I just tell you your destiny is not heaven? Amen. That's your destination. Your destiny is your relationship with him. You, you see, we get distracted by trying to get to heaven. We get distracted by trying to walk on streets of gold. And so we take out this list and we begin punching the list. And I was good today. I prayed today. I read my Bible today. I didn't cut somebody out. I didn't do something stupid. I didn't cut somebody off in, the, in traffic. I used my blinker every time. I didn't break the speed limit. Oh, I'm going to heaven. And what we've done is we have been so distracted by trying to get to a destination that we have failed to recognize the destiny that God put in us. You see, destiny is relationship with him. Let, let me give you this example. The woman in the book of Matthew that came to Jesus just before his uh, death, burial, and resurrection. She walked in and she broke the, the, the alabaster box of swipe our very precious and, and washed his feet with her tears and dried them with her hair and did all of those things. The disciples got ticked off at her. They said, what a waste. That could have been sold and given to the poor. And Jesus said, leave this woman alone. You're always going to have the poor with you, but you will not always have me with you. She has done a good thing. She has done the right thing. See, whether she realizes it or not, she stepped into her destiny when she attached herself to the feet of Jesus. Amen. And when she attached herself to the feet of Jesus, the Lord memorialized her, and we're still talking about her in 2020. If she would have been consumed about getting to a destination, she would have missed out on the connection with, that she had with Jesus in that moment. The disciples were worried about a big picture item, and Jesus was looking forward to just an intimate relationship. Listen, my friend, don't worry about heaven. Don't worry about your call, quote unquote, to deal with that in a second. But don't worry about your destination. Don't get distracted from your daily relationship with Jesus. Jesus wants to have an intimate relationship with you. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter where you come from or who you are or who you know. As long as you have a confrontation and a and a uh, and from that confrontation with Christ becomes a relationship with Christ. You are fulfilling your destiny. Amen. Don't get distracted. Don't let your destination distract you. You see, from Blaine to my house, from my chiropractor to my house, the straightest shot is Main Street. And if you hit all the lights just the right way, I can get there in 15, 20 minutes. But the problem is, on Wednesday, I decided to see how far Hanson Road went north. <laughs> and it went quite a ways. Yeah. 
And then I circled back and I started getting over close to Fort Bryan and Elena lived. And I thought, I still want to go a little further north. What? So I went a little further north. I went out past Lake George and drove around out there. But you want to know what? I saw things that I had never seen before in that area. I saw trees and I saw crops and I saw homes and I saw parks and I saw places that I had not driven before. I saw North Andover, I saw Oak Grove, I saw St. Francis, I saw all that area up there that I, one time I think I delivered something to St. Francis, but other and I've gone to golf at the Palms one time. And other than that, I, I, and, and so my only shot to St. Francis was up Round Lake Boulevard to the Palms and golfed and came back. I got to see all kinds of things. You see, when we're so intent on getting from point A to point B, we, we fail to see all the blessings that God has. Because our only true blessing becomes our destination. Amen. When we are so focused in on our destination. Listen, I've preached it. I've preached it. I can't wait to get to heaven where I can walk on streets of gold and I have, you know, see a crystal. There's no more pain and there's no more tears and there's no more suffering. I can't wait to get to there. And I've become so consumed even sometimes in my preaching about getting to the destination. But do you understand that in the middle of your tears and your heartbreak is when Jesus can become really intimate and I'm closer to Christ while I'm suffering than I ever will when I'm walking on streets of gold? There's something that happens when I'm in the midst of my destiny that I will not experience in the midst of my destination. I was called to be a pastor at the age of 11, 11 years old. I can take you to the place where I felt the Lord speak that into my spirit. Camp Galilee, Gray Cloud Island, Cottage Grove, Minnesota. On the right side of the platform up by where the instruments played on the back wall, about three chairs in on the right hand side. It was following the service, and I was too wimpy to go down to the altar area because it was too hot. I liked being up by the fans. <laughs> and God got a hold of my heart. I don't know if it was because of the way my dad operated his life or the way that some of the other examples in my life happened. But from that point on, I always knew that I would pastor. That was 11 years old when I when I called that when I felt that calling of God to yeah you're gonna you're gonna pastor. But there was something that my wife and I determined at the very start of our ministry, which we're just about ready to start our 32nd minute year of ministry in October. 32 years we made a decision everywhere we were going to be that was our final place. Because I know friends of mine that were so consumed about getting to where they were called, they treated ministries as stepping stones to get to where they wanted to be, where they felt God called them to be. And I'm sure that's one way to go about it. My wife and I determined that where we are is our destiny, and when we get to our destination, we'll get to our destination. And so it wasn't, so if you do the math, when I was 11, it was 1981. 
and my calling was not fulfilled. My destination was not fulfilled until December 2nd, 2008, when this great church elected my wife and I to come and be the pastor of this church. That's many, many years. But had I been consumed with my destination, I would have missed out on all kinds of young people and adults alike that God sent into our lives to minister. Can I just tell you my destiny was not my destination? I would like to say that God did everything that he did when I was 11 simply so that I could be right here. But if I would have missed out my destiny all along the way, listen, there are people that are teaching Preaching, singing, pastoring, all kinds of churches that God interwove into our ministry, into my destiny, without me ever getting to my destination. I hope somebody's grabbing a hold of this in the spirit. I hope I'm explaining this the right way. I've got young people all around the country and even around the world that are ministering the word of God and preaching and teaching and singing and raising godly families and ministering uh, all variety of types of churches and kinds of churches and kinds of ministries. Listen, had I been so consumed that I wouldn't have cared about them if I would have only cared about my destination and I would have missed out on my destiny. My destiny is much bigger than my destination. We have about 70 people here right now and, if, and the people that are online, but all across the country and around the world, I can't even do the math of people that have been touched and ministered to because of the ministry that I have. I don't say that to pat my, myself on the back. I say that to say this. You are in the midst of your destiny on a daily basis, and you don't understand and recognize who you're affecting, who you're influencing, how big of a picture and a broad stroke that you are making in the world, because some of us are so consumed with trying to get to that one thing that God wants us to be. Amen. Listen, I know I preach about it and I talk about it all the time. God's wanting us to become what he wants us to become. But listen, your destiny is not what you're going to become. Your destiny is the path and the relationship that gets you from now to what you're supposed to become. So don't get distracted by what you're supposed to become. Get consumed with your destiny in the path and the journey of getting to that point. This passage of scripture has caused trouble for people quite often. Because of the term predestinate, which tends to mean predetermined. And there have been teachings throughout history that God has predestined people to either be in the body of Christ or not in the body of Christ. Or predestined people to make it to heaven or not make it to heaven. And uh, I want to hopefully come against that a little bit today. Because... Uh, here's what I believe, that when I get done in the next few minutes with these three verses, there is going to be a spirit of freedom that ushers itself into this place. And some of you that have been struggling and fighting against your destiny because you haven't attained your destination, you are going to be free to walk the path. Amen. And you are going to be free if I so choose to say that you can go to St. Francis and Oak Grove and up Hanson Road and still get to point B. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. 
Can I just tell you something right here to begin this passage? This is talking about people that will receive from God the calling. This is not talking about everybody. All things don't work together for good to everybody. It takes a response from a human being that says, God, I will listen and I will obey. Amen. I will answer your call. You see, the word calling in this, in this passage, in verse 28, the call are those that have been invited to something. God doesn't force us. God doesn't twist our arms. In other words, this verse I know gets applied to everything. We know that everything works together for good. Only if you have it offered, been offered an invitation. The invitation from the Lord is to whosoever will. So unless or, or while you don't receive the calling, while you don't pick up the invitation, listen, you can send me an invitation all week long, every day for the next three weeks, but if I never take it out of the mailbox and I never show up at your house, that invitation doesn't mean anything. God has been calling and calling and calling and inviting and inviting and inviting. He's waiting for somebody to take it and say, okay, God, I want to follow. I want to listen. I want to obey. Let me put it into the terms of Jesus. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And to those people, all things work together for good. To those that are willing to heed the call of God or the invitation of God, he begins taking all of the abuse and all of the addiction and all of the rejection and all of the depression and all of the despair and he puts it in a bowl. And for those that are receiving his invitation, he starts mixing it all up. And then he puts it in the oven and we feel the heat of our, of our situation. And in the midst of the heat of that situation, he takes us back out of the oven and all of a sudden we are now a beautiful creature in Come on, Because all things work together. For them who are the invited ones that have received and taken a hold of the invitation. For whom he did foreknow. You see, here's what's caused us problems through the years. I should give all of our Grace College people a quick quiz, but I won't. The problem is the word whom. Remember the steps of interpretation. It's word, verse, <clears throat> chapter, book, Bible. That word whom has caused a lot of people a lot of problems. Because the word whom lets us know that it's a person. The problem with that is if you do a study in Greek, the word whom there in Greek doesn't mean whom. It means this or that. And so here's what it should say. For that which he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. So let me ask you this, if that changes the person. See, verse 28 and verse 29 connect. It's not that he predestines people to get to a place. He predestines destinies to get to a place. 
He foreknows your destiny on one condition, that you accept his invitation. Follow me. This concept of predestination, it has gotten into where it is a destination and not a destiny. And so when the people read this, they get troubled because God seems to be choosing one person over another to get to a destination for, uh, for somebody. And that's not what the scripture is saying. What the scripture is saying is he's got a plan, a foreknowledge, a blueprint, something in mind for anybody that answers the call, whosoever will, let him come unto me. And if they come unto me, I will reveal because I've already got a plan in place. Because there's one thing that God gave us at the outset, and that is a free will to do whatever we want to do. And so if you choose him, he's got a foreordained pathway for you, a foreordained destiny for you, regardless of the destination. For instance, Paul, who was once called Saul, was not destined or have a destination of apostleship. God did not choose him, or I shouldn't say God chose him, but he did not choose God at first. Saul of Tarsus went around killing people. Pretty rough dude. We'd write him off. He's a killer. He came against the church. <laughs> no good for us. Persecuted them, arrested them, disturbed the church. But when Saul had the opportunity to receive from God the invitation, when he received it and the light shone from above on the road to Damascus, and Paul, who was Saul, fell to his face blind. And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. At that point in time, Saul had an opportunity to say, I will follow you or I will reject you. Thankfully, he said, I will follow you. And at that point in time, that which had been prepared for him kicked into action. And so what does God do? God takes all of his past. A Hebrew of Hebrews. A Jew who knew all the law and the prophets. And a zealot for the kingdom of God. But who did it all the wrong way. <laughs> who killed people and persecuted and, and rejected people. He took all of that and he dropped it into a bowl. And he attached it to his foreordained plan for his life. And he mixed it all up to and that which was negative, that which was hurtful, that which was bad, all of a sudden was transformed into that which was good and it ignited somebody. Listen, the reason why Paul wasn't afraid of anybody is because Paul understood who he was and what he had been transformed into and because all, his destiny was not his destination. His destiny was his path and his journey. And when God gets a hold of you in your journey, he is putting a destination in place for the future. But in the midst of the present, your destiny is being played out hour by hour and day by day. 
for that which he did foreknow, he did predestinate to become conformed to the image of his son. Your destination may be heaven, but your destiny is confirmation. Amen. Not confirm, conformation. To conform us to the image. We say it like this on our sites and stuff, and who we are. We are spirit-filled, spirit-led, and Christ-like. Being conformed. Listen, can I just tell you what that does for me? I'll tell you what that does for me. When I feel the chastening of the Lord because I've messed up, it's not condemning. It's destiny. Amen. He takes me and he pulls that chisel out and says, you've got some rough edges. Let's knock that out of you, too. Your destiny is to be conformed to me. You still have a little bit too much flesh. Let's transition and transform that flesh into righteousness. And righteousness. And so all of a sudden, when I feel ashamed, I don't feel ashamed as far as condemnation. I feel ashamed that turns into excitement. Because God in my destiny, I'm driving down a road that I wasn't intending to drive down. But he's getting ready because I have accepted his call and his invite. Now he's going to take everything and he's going to work it together for good for the purpose of conforming me into what he is so that I can better reflect him. My destiny is not, or my destination is heaven, but my destiny is a reflection of who Jesus is to heaven. And what ends up happening is we get so bogged down trying to get to who we're supposed to be that we fail to realize in the moment, in the present, that God is already doing your destiny. We get so wrapped up in our calling we fail to realize. Can I tell you something? As a pastor for the last 11 years, a little over 11, almost 12 years, it's the only way I remember my son's birthday. He's going to be 12 this year. You want to know what I've learned? I've learned that if I wouldn't have dealt with that rebellious teenager, when I was 18 years old as his youth pastor, I could name some names I know. They know who they are in Delaware. I would not have been prepared to deal with some of the things we've dealt with as a church the last 12 years. If I wouldn't have recognized my destiny and dealing with some young people in Kansas City I wouldn't have dealt with the church but my destiny prepared me for my destination listen I know that there is something in us I don't know if it's it's just a human thing I've got to get to where I'm supposed to we have become so consumed with time that we've got to get to where we're supposed to be. 
One of the reasons we don't have a big clock on the wall is because some of you would get antsy about now because you've got places to go and people to see. But your destination is not your end point. Your destiny is. Your destiny will dictate your destination. Amen. So verse 30, moreover whom, again, this or that. Moreover, that plan of relationship that he predestined, them he also called. This confuses us. Because we read in verse 28 that the call of God is an invitation to follow. And so because we learned a long time ago in English 101 in first grade that the word call means to be called and we receive it. We tend to say that it's the same thing. The problem is the word called in verse 30 is not the same Greek word as the word called in verse 28. And because you and I aren't Greek readers, we fail to realize the disconnect in saying that those or that which he predestined, he also called. Notice the flip. In verse 28, he calls first, he predestined second. In verse 30, he predestines first and he calls second. And you've got to follow this now. Because this is where your freedom is going to come. This is where you're going to be released to be everything that God wants you to become. But you're going to be released in the becoming aspect of it and not the destination aspect of it. He called us and invited us in verse 28. He predestines us in verse 29. And in verse 30 it says he has predestined, then he also calls. Is Jesus or Paul just talking in circles? He's not talking in circles. He's trying to set a process in place. First you are called to be invited. And when you say, yes, Lord, I'll follow, he predestines a path for you to choose a destiny, if you will, and that will end up in a destination. But once you walk on the path of your destiny, the Bible says then he also called. That word call means to put a name upon. When you receive your relationship, when you accept the call of God to follow him, he predestines you to a pathway or a journey for you to follow. And if you take up that journey and that relationship that he predestined for you, then he names you and he names you part of his family. And those that he names, he justifies. And those that he justifies, he glorifies. Listen, my friend, some of you have gotten caught up in the calling and the relationship. Here's what I have come to tell somebody. He is getting ready to put his stamp of his name upon the pathway that is chosen for you. To free you in the midst of your destiny. Don't get distracted by your destination. Don't get distracted by what you're supposed to be. Get lost in who God is creating you to be. Hallelujah. 
I don't know if you've ever paid close enough attention to this, but the transformation of Simon Peter. Simon, I'm going to change your name. You're not going to be called Simon any longer. You're going to be called Peter, which means rock. For upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Invite. Simon could have turned around and said, no, I'm, I'm done with this. Simon, if you really want something to happen, I'm going to make something great out of you. You're going to become the rock that the church is built on. The problem was the church wasn't going to be built for a couple of years. And so it got into Simon's ego a little bit. <laughs> Jesus said the church will be built on rock. Yeah, I'm going to be the. Yeah, that's me. So you read a little bit later, it's getting near the crucifixion. Simon Peter opens his big mouth as he was apt to do. You want to know what Jesus said? Get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> Amen. That which was called received the rebuke so that he could get to where he was supposed Amen. to be. At some point, Simon said, yes, Lord, I'll be the one. I'll do it. I'll mess up. I don't think he thought he would. Jesus, I'll, I'll die with you. Uh-huh. You're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows in the morning. No, not me. Oh, yes, you. What was happening? It was his destiny. And God was knocked him off rough edges so that when Acts chapter 2 came along and all of the people were wondering what in the world just happened in the upper room there was a sound of a rushing mighty wind there were cloven tongues like as a fire people were speaking in languages that they did not know and, and those that were around them heard them and who was it that stepped forward for that moment and for that day Simon Standing up with the 11, the Bible says. And he began one of the greatest messages that could ever be preached. But you want to know what? Didn't stop there. That was Acts chapter 2. Want to know what happened in Acts chapter 10? Jesus had to rebuke him again. <laughs> Show him the sheet that he held down from heaven. Peter, you got to get this straight, dude. I don't know that Jesus talks like that. <laughs> that which I have cleaned, you can receive as clean. Had Simon not had that experience with God, the Gentiles would not have received the word through Simon Peter. I hope somebody's getting this, catching this. This isn't, I'm hoping there's a revelation in somebody's spirit. Listen. Your destiny is not a place to get to. It's a person to become. We talk about destiny a lot. And usually when we talk about it, it's about something that we're going to get to. This church 
has a destiny, but it is not the destination of this church. The destiny of this church is every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Sunday school class, every men's ministry, every women's ministry, chain break restoration ministry, daily devotion ministry, daily scripture ministry, daily worship ministry, daily musical ministry, daily operating in the things of God. That's our destiny. Every day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, God is forming us and transforming us and conforming us to the image of his son. That's what he has predestined us to do if we will accept the call to become what he wants us to become. And then ultimately, eventually, there will be a destination that we achieve. Amen. But the destination is not an important thing. Can I tell you what this word from the Lord for me did? Because in the midst of all this COVID stuff, I began to question some of what God spoke to me a couple of years ago. And that is this. Stop telling my people how to get to heaven and start telling them how to get to me. And in the last couple of months, seeing all the different things that were going on and all the different ministries that were out there trying to tell us how to be ready for heaven and trying to be ready for the others. I want to be, I don't misunderstand. I want to go to heaven, but I know that I'll get to heaven if I'm with Jesus because that's where he's going. Amen. I'm going to be in the right automobile. I'm going to be the one where he's taking the wheel. He's taking us home. I'm not going to walk out of the, the, the car and be worried about where I'm going to get to. Thinking back, something that was kind of comical spoke to this. When we were teenagers, one of the rites of summer was taking a trip to Valley Fair. And I was always allowed to go as long as I was in my cousin Andy's vehicle. I don't know if my mom and dad just didn't trust anybody else. Or, but So I got to be with Andy the whole time. Some of you know Andy. Uh, Pastor Gary's youngest son. So if Andy was driving, that was great. Well, we had some girls with us, and I won't mention their names because they may watch this. They'll know who they are, though. But this girl was just, just whining and complaining, and it was driving us absolutely nuts. And so we had just gotten onto Highway 13, and, and I had never seen this before because Andy is the most mellow guy I've ever met. He veered off to the side of the road, he slammed his brakes on, he said, get out. Get out of the car. <laughs> oh, and if I told somebody who this was, you'd be laughing so hard. And so she got out of the car and she started stomping down 13. She was so mad. Andy peeled out and started driving away. Finally, the better conscience of Andy got a hold of him and he did a U turn went back and picked her up. But I'll never forget the difference of her getting back in the car. It was the quietest I had ever I said that to say this. Some of us get so bogged down by what's going on in the car. 
if Jesus would say, just step out for a little bit and see how much easier it is. I just can't pray anymore. I can't fast anymore. And I know we're going to get to fasting. I can't do this and I can't do that. And, and I can't teach and I can't preach. And I'm not doing it. Listen, all you're, if you're in the car, you're in the car. Don't whine and complain. Just say, as long as I'm in Jesus' car, I'm going to get to where I need to be. But while I'm in the car, I'm just going to do what I need to do. Listen, I want to get to heaven. But more importantly than getting to heaven, listen, here's, here's, let me put it right down where the rubber meets the road. Some of us that get to heaven aren't going to know who Jesus is. Because we haven't spent any time with him on earth. I've heard that said a different way. I said, if you can't learn to worship on earth, you're never going to learn how to worship around the throne. <laughs> you may punch all the ticket items for heaven. And God's grace may just say, okay, he's done what they could do and we'll take him anyhow. But my fear is that somebody that walks through the golden gates would mistake Gabriel for Jesus. Or more importantly than that, would mistake Simon Peter for Jesus. Or Paul for Jesus. Or pastor for Jesus. Or spiritual hero for Jesus. Because we've gotten so consumed with the things of this earth and the people of this earth and the things that God has, has put into our lives that because we've been so concerned about getting to heaven that we forget let me fall at your feet. Let me wash your feet with my tears. Let me connect to you, Jesus. Doesn't mean that your destiny is not going to have some rocky pathway. It doesn't mean that your destiny is going to be easy breezy. What it does mean is you have been put hand in hand. I invite you to stand and I close with this. How many have ever heard this statement? If you've been around churches, some of you may have never been around churches, but how many have ever heard this statement? Well, it's the permissive will of God. Anybody ever heard that? It's the permissive will of God. Can I just tell you the permissive will of God is an excuse for not doing the will of God? You're either doing the will of God or you're not. And, and we... Somewhere along the line, the permissive will of God was coined because somebody walked away from the will of God and yet God brought them back. And so well, that was the permissive will of God that God would still use them. No, no, no. They were out of the will of God. God's been trying to get them back to the will of God. It's the roundabout journey. Because here's what I believe. From the time you accept the call of Christ to the time you reach your destination, He's got a predestined path for you to walk. And as long as you walk it, you're always in his will. And he may have you climb a mountain and wear you out climbing that mountain. And then he just may put you on your backside so you can slide down the mountain. He may take you through a desert. But when you're just at the very end, he'll open up a well of water. He may take you across some rocky ground, but he'll give you the shoes to wear. 
And in each seasonal setting, the purpose of this predestined journey that he has is twofold. It's to form you so when you get to your destination, you know what you're all about. And the second thing is, because there are people that are watching you every step of your predestined path to see how you're going to respond. And so you'll experience a loss. Loss of a loved one, loss of a job, loss of a and people are watching. How are they going to respond now that God's love is happening? And if you allow yourself a couple of weeks, months, years down the path, you'll turn back and you'll look at that loss and you'll be able to say, that's why God did it. He was teaching me this. Can I tell you, we're, we're, we're a little over eight years since my father passed away. I don't know why he passed away at 62 of pancreatic cancer. I don't know why the Lord allowed him to go home. I, I don't get any of that. I don't understand that. I don't claim to understand it. I'll ask Jesus someday when I get to heaven. Because he hasn't been answering me in eight years. So I'll just assume that he's going to let me know the by and by. But can I tell you something? One of the things that has happened in the conforming of his, me becoming in the image of Christ if my dad was still alive, I don't know how much I would be analyzing his life. I don't know how much that I'd go back and say, well, this is what my dad was trying to teach me. Because I know my personality, I would have argued with him, I would have debated him. I would have said, oh, you just, you're over the hill. In a respectful tone. But since he's been gone in those eight years of which I've been walking in my destination, I have been looking back and taking all the nuggets that I wasn't thinking about when I could just drive to Woodbury and talk to him. But man, I have looked back. This is why for Tim, this is what God wanted me to get out of this part of my destiny. Maybe not for somebody else, maybe not for my brother, sister, mom, or, or loved ones or their church or whatever, but for Tim, for my predestined path, this is what God wanted to do when I lost my loved one. So that when I do get to my destination, I will have been chiseled by God through the things that I've lost, through the things that I've gained, through the things that I had to put down, through the things I had to pick up. In my destiny, he is preparing me. There's an old song, and I close with this. Oh, I want to see him. Look upon his face. And the course goes, as he takes me by the hand, leads me to the promised land. Can I just tell you, the only way I get to my destiny, or my destination, is if I hold the hand of my destiny. My destiny is Jesus. Your destiny is Jesus. It's the conforming to the image of his son. 
is the conforming of, to the image of Jesus Christ. As I become more Christ-like, his embrace on my hand gets stronger. And whether I go to the promised land hand in hand with him through a natural leaving of this body or the trump of God sounds and the dead in Christ rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together in the air. I don't know either way is going to work for me as long as I am in my destiny. My destination is secure. So I'm not worrying about heaven. I'm worrying about Jesus. I'm not worrying about end time prophecy. I'm worrying about Jesus. Am I in tune with him? Do I know him? Have I accepted his call? Have I walked the predestined path that he's chosen for me? Am I listening for the still small voice? Here's what I feel to do. They're going to begin to sing in just a minute. This entire sanctuary has now become an altar area. Where you're at. Have you been so bogged down by what you think you're supposed to be or where you're supposed to go or what you're supposed to become or you've just been so consumed with heaven? I just got to be ready for heaven. I just got to be ready for heaven. Listen, Jesus has stepped into this house today. Your destiny is right here in front of you. He has been calling you since the beginning of this service. He has been speaking into your spirit since the very outset of this service. Would you accept his call to walk this path that he has chosen <laughs> and step into your destiny today to allow him to begin or to continue or to refocus you on what Jesus is doing in your life? I want somebody to be free from worrying about where you need to end up. I want you to be free to have a relationship right now. If that's you, would you raise your hands as they begin to sing and begin to seek Him? God, yes, 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 yes. From the front to the back, from side to side, let the winds of freedom flow into this place. Let destiny be recognized right now. Help somebody to see your face. Help somebody where God to experience your touch right now. Yes, 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 yes. My God.
God's going to honor our fasting. Remember the three purposes. It's an individual. And God will speak clarity. And God will name us this week. That as a corporate body, God will continue to give us wisdom and leadership and direction. And then for our country and the world, that God will just allow his perfect will to be done. Praise God. God bless you. We love you. And we cherish our time together. Have a great, great day. Blessings in the name of Jesus.